0: Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right. two things before we get started. One, I want you to know how much effort our worship team does in leading us in prayer. They work really hard at leading us in prayer. And so uh, I texted Ty at an ungodly ungodly time on Saturday morning. And Tyler, I I said, hey, this is where the message is kind of tweaking and moving now. And he goes, perfect timing. And then he sends me this picture because this is what he was doing. He was praying, going through the scripture that we had for this week and wrestling with what prayers, worship songs, should we choose? What, what, where do you want us to go, Lord? So it's not just like they go, oh, I really love this song. Man. I love the beat and the rhythm. And then I can get Larry just cranking there. It's like he's, they're, they're trying to lead us. And so some of that's all behind the scenes. He was a little worried. He was like, did you double check? Because I was actually in my underwear. Was it a reflection? I want to make sure that I'm not like. So no, it's just a nice Instagram style photo. He didn't post it or anything, but he just sent it to me because that's where he was as he was praying for you Asking for wisdom on how to lead us in worship. Um, And then next thing I want to tell you is is that we're trying, we're going to do something different. And usually when the lights all turn off, everyone thinks it's like an earthquake or an emergency. So then you let out that, (gasps) so I'm just warning you right now, one by one, we're going to start turning off the lights. Nothing's wrong. This is actually on purpose. Okay. You can handle it. It's good. Now, you don't know this about me or my family, um, but we are gifted in the art of hide-and-seek. I was sitting with Melissa Hodge, as she was sharing what she was going to share with the W a few weeks back, and it was so powerful what she was sharing that I said, oh, I'm stealing that because it's so good, and then it reminded me how good I am at hide-and-seek. And I remember um, when uh, I was a youth pastor, we had this huge facility, and so we could take people, and we could just say, let's play hide-and-seek in the school, or hide-and-seek in the sanctuary, and it was like, it was on. It wasn't just this room, it would go on for the whole night. And I would go to certain places and hide, and I knew they would never find me. So I actually had to look at my watch and determine when I was going to come back into the fold. And it wasn't just at that, it wasn't when I got older. When I was a kid, I remember hiding behind certain things, and you know that feeling when when you're hiding, and someone's right there, but they don't know you're there? So like at night, I remember being up in a tree, and I'm up in the tree, and you're like, should I breathe? I think I should breathe, because if I hold my breath, then when I have to, (gasps) then they're going to hear it. So I remember breathing really softly. (sighs) Up in the tree, is they're down below the tree looking, because they can't find me, because I'm good. So here's my question for you. Have you ever hid so well that no one can find you? Has something happened especially as it involves you as being a part of the body of Christ that naturally has caused you to want to hide so that nobody can find you? Now I said my entire family was gifted in this and so I I would play this with my children, of course And one of my kids, okay, I'm going to roll her. It's my daughter. She had this favorite place, and she would go there every single time. And it was the couch, the couch next to the wall. Now, although we're gifted in the art of hide and seek, I personally am not gifted in the art of pulling the couch out, vacuuming, and making sure it's all clean all the time. So she would go back there and maybe some cobwebs, some of their loose kid food and wrappers that they tried to hide would be back there. And she'd be back there hiding. But I knew where she was, but I wanted her to have that feeling of someone being so, this isn't going to work, is it? I thought we fixed it, Eric. I thought we fixed it. I'm going to switch. We have to buy the brand-new $350 thing. We tried to fix it with just the wire, but it didn't work. It's worked for a few weeks. Anyway, she would hide behind the couch, and I would know she was there, so I would stand right next to the couch and go, oh, my gosh, I can't find her. Where could she possibly be? And then I'd hover around there, and she'd just start getting nervous. Not nervous that she was going to be found. There's that joy. But when you're a kid, that raw feeling comes up that she's afraid I'm going to walk away, and she's going to be left there hiding. And so she would pop out and go, here I am. Don't forget about me. Why would you? I was thinking as an adult, like, what is that about? Like, come on. You're a rose. Stay hidden. Win this game. But deep within, don't we all have that? We're really good at hiding, some of us better than others. But we all have that thing within us. Really want to be found. And we want to jump up and say, Don't forget about me. When we look at this passage, I chose a different version. This is called the amplified version. I always want to give you tools so that you can get into the word. This is a translation that'll take words and then in parentheses, it'll tell you what that word means. So it can take a passage that's maybe 10 words long, a verse. And it may be 16 words long because they want to make sure that you clearly understand the meaning behind the words. That's why it's called the Amplified Bible. So this is the Amplified Bible we're looking at right here. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Studying how we may stir up or stimulate an insight. We talked about a couple weeks ago. May stir up or stimulate an insight to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, which means to warn, urge, encourage one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. We all know people's presence can bring a light. And being abandoned can bring darkness, right? Like there's that, that joy when, when, when you throw a party and people show up. Nobody throws a wedding and goes, oh, man, I was hoping only half the people would show. That is if you really didn't have the money for all of them to come. Otherwise, when you get that regret, you're like, oh, wait, what? What? What's going on? You're supposed to be here. There's all these situations in life that we see all the time. If you see a picture posted with you, you're like, yeah, I was there. They're kind of name-dropping me because I'm in the picture with them, and they made it clear that I'm part of their – you just feel better being included, right? And yet, and this is horrible for teenagers, but it's not just for teenagers. It's for adults as well, right? If you see some of your friends or people you know, and they're gathered, and you're not there, the thought is – forget about me why wasn't I invited what happened now we may have certain feelings that rise up and we blame or oh yeah whatever but deep down what's happening is we're asking is something wrong with me what what is wrong that's why in groups if you have a uh, an event that you're putting on whether it's a fundraiser or a concert when a lot of people show up you feel like it's a success Because a lot of people came, but if there's very few, like, oh, what's wrong? I was driving around with one of my kids yesterday, and um, I've taught my kids this about restaurants. uh, And we were driving by one, and and it was right at the busy part of lunch hour. And there's this line out the door, this new place. Everybody's there. And then this place right next door, no one was in there. And so my child goes, oh, look, nobody's in that place. Must not be good. We attach that to almost everything, don't we? We can have a fundraiser to raise money. 500 people show up. Yay! Raises no money. Doesn't matter. Still a success because everyone was there. There's Something happens when, when people are next to people. We, we assume there's success. And yet, if we see a small fundraiser, oh, there's only like 10 people here, but it raises three times as much. Okay, what are we going to do next year to make sure more people come? Because that's what we associate success with. That question is not just, is something wrong with me, but is something wrong with us? This passage is trying to give us direction. It's trying to give us direction in this, that Christians don't hide from Christians. This is not about the feelings inside of us, yet those feelings inside of us are coming out in this passage as the writer of Hebrews is trying to speak to these people that have gotten into the habit of not being together. This is not about Sunday morning attendance. This is about the importance of Christians not hiding from other Christians. Now, if you're at the coffee shop and you got to be somewhere and a Christian walks in, that's not what we're talking about. Sometimes you've got to hide, or otherwise you're going to be late. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about doing life together, about being known. We're also not saying that you can be with all believers at all times at everything that's going on. That's impossible. But the reality is so many of us, for one reason or another, have gone into hiding from other Christians. And we don't have other believers next to us who we are stirring up. And also, because we're not around them, they're not able to bring light To us, And the way this is supposed to work is that we as believers are supposed to be in each other's lives. So open up to 1025 if you have your own Bibles. Sure, you can't see, but open up there anyways. And I want you to focus on two key verses here, two key words. We're going to start here at verse 25, which is halfway down. You see the green where it says forsaking. This is what it says. Not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people. Now, you might have different versions. The version that I had memorized was, let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Okay, so let's not stop meeting together. But the actual word there that someone translated out was forsake. So if you have New King James Version or a couple other versions, like the New American Standard, they just leave forsaking in there. We don't ever use that word. So you might have to stop and think forsake. I mean we only use it in dramatic scenes. and it usually has some kind of Shakespearean accent. Do not forsake me. Like, you just don't use that in common language. But there's power behind that word, which is probably why it's not used that often. Forsake can mean to cut off, to a ab- abandon, to uh, ignore, to shut out, to cut off, Uh, the slang is to junk it. And so what this is saying is do not junk, do not cut off, do not abandon each other by not meeting. Whoa, 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 let's not be so intense about that, I just couldn't make it. And yet we all have that experience. If you've been part of a community of faith, we all know what goes on inside of us when we want someone there and they're not there. We had a musician a few years back that was um, helping out, and she was part of another church. But um, this person came and was helping to play uh, because we needed help for a few weeks. And so I saw one of the people from their church, and they're one of my friends. And this person walked up to me and said, hey, you know, that person's with us. They're at our church. And at first, actually all the way until this week, I was like, how lame is that? Seriously? Oh, mine. But you know what was going on inside of this person? Wait, wait. You know I'm still here, right? Like, I love that person. I don't want them to not be near me. It's not about them playing the music. It's like, if they're not here, does that mean something's wrong with us? Because they can't choose you over me. We all know that. Uh, we've all had it, I, uh, a guy a couple months ago said this, we were talking about uh, another person in our church, part of Branches, and he said, does that guy still go here? Just like that. Now, don't act like you haven't said that before, because we do. Now, is that really a judgment on that person? No. What's stirring up within that person is this feeling of, wait, are you not here because of me? Is there something wrong with us? Am I part of the wrong group? What does that mean? Just like the musician that was here, wait, wait, is something wrong with us? Is that why they're now over there? Or you're part of a small group, whether it's a, a home group or whether it's a triad, and there's this person or group of people that just stop showing up, and then something's going on inside of you, like, oh, my God, they're just not consistent. They don't really care enough. And we start thinking all of these things. But really where it's coming from is that you feel forsaken. You feel abandoned. You feel cut off. So we have to own that. That's what's happening. And that's what's been happening to this church. This church that the writer of Hebrews is talking to, this is decades after Christ has risen again. And most likely the church is in Rome. And so it's under Roman rule and there is persecution like no other. And these are Jewish Christians. So they're not just getting it from the Roman government and the Roman people. They're also getting it from the other Jews. So there's so much persecution. It's probably like, oh, is this really worth all that effort for us to be together? Because I just feel like I'm getting beat up. We're losing our job. Uh, my kids are being made, of, made fun of. And literally, I'm getting beat up. Because that's what would happen with this church. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, guys. You need to be committed to seeking each other out, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how you can stir, stimulate, and incite each other to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Why? Because they had stopped. If they're not together, they can't stir each other up. Now, today, the reasons may be for other things, although one of the things that happened with this early church most likely was the delay of the promise. Wait, I'm confused. I thought Christ was coming right back. It's been like 20, 30 years. And so then there's that thought. Well, I expected something to happen, and it just wasn't happening the way I wanted to. And you just kind of drift away, and you stop meeting together. It could be distracted. It could be going back to old patterns. Maybe they just thought, I'm just going to go to the Jewish synagogue. I'm still a believer, but it's just easier to be there. It's just easier. Just, well, this probably isn't appropriate for them, but it is for us. I'm just too busy. It seems like every time I turn around, my kids' sports try to plan stuff on Sunday mornings, to plan them on the nights that I'm doing stuff with other people, other Christians, where I want to encourage them, and honestly, I need their light in my life. That's, That's not uncommon for all humanity. Maybe it's apathy. This is a huge one because it happens all the time. Grudges. Someone hurt you. Most likely they don't even know they did it, but it hurt you. And you're like protecting yourself. I'm not going back into that little circle. I'm not going to that group because they did this. And I don't want to feel that again. True, you'll blame them, and that's the reason you're not there. But really is you just don't want to feel that again. And so you stop meeting and you make a habit of it. Could be disagreements. Oh my gosh, churches split. People went this way and that way at the last election. Who knows what's going to happen at the next one? And forget just politics. Disagreements about the way we live, the way we walk with our kids, the way we talk, the way we dress. There's so many things that come up because we disagree. So we stop meeting because you're doing something different than I would do. Nothing essential, but just something that bugs you. And underneath a lot of it is always Not every time, but quite often the reason we stop meeting together is fear. And so to stir each other up, the writer of Hebrews is saying there's two things that need to happen. One, don't do this. And number two, do this. The don't do this is do not forsake each other. Do not abandon each other. Do not cut each other off. Now, you weren't thinking that way. You were just like, no, I was just thinking about myself. But what the writer is saying is when you don't show up, you're taking the light that you have, and you're holding it back. You realize that when you show up, you are bringing something to someone else. It isn't all about you. But the us gets involved, and so we hide. We know how to hide. We just don't return calls. We don't return texts. We don't show up. But what we're supposed to do is to encourage the name of our church branches came from John 15:5 Jesus says abide in me and i in you and you will bear much fruit there's that understanding there's that connection that we're connected he says i am the vine and you are the branches that visual picture there should be stuck in your mind and in your heart because we are connected You may try to disconnect, but when you disconnect, not only are you withering, but others are missing out from the fruit that you can bear that can bless others, including them. The vine was meant to stay together. In Romans 13, 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about the body of Christ. And it's in one of the passages it says, your hand is not going to say, well, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the foot. The foot like walks around. I don't have much to do. And the ear isn't going to complain with the nose. And yet we do that, don't we? And so when we end up pulling ourselves away, we're pulling apart something important for the body of Christ. Something that when it is present, when you are present, you are bringing life. You are bringing light. We've all had those injuries when you're like, oh, man, my, my shoulder was working so well. And when it stops working, you know it's missing. The body of Christ knows when someone is missing. And yet, most likely, that person isn't going to say, hey, don't forget about me. We're going to need to go and let them know. That word encourage, the thing we're supposed to do, says admonishing. No one uses that word, right? But it means to warn or to urge or to encourage. And if you go to the real Greek word, it is so beautiful. I wish they just put the word in there and just transliterated it. It's parakaleo. Kaleo means to call, and para means right next to. Does it get any better than that? So sometimes when it comes to encouragement, you're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't have the gift of encouragement. Just show up. Just by us showing up, light is brought. Life is brought. When people are going to visit a hospital or someone's lost someone close to them or they're in some kind of turmoil, almost everyone says, should I go or should I not? And then this is the question that comes right afterwards. If I go, I don't know what to say. Encourage means showing up. So what do we do? How do we encourage? How do we stir one another up? The first step is just showing up. I love what Stefan says. He just says, you know what? Suit up, which means pray. Show up. And just shut up. You don't have to say anything sometimes. You just have to show up. Come in prayer and show up. Encouragement is not something that is confusing to us because it's in our DNA as the body of Christ. The word church, the, way it, the word it came from is ekklesia. Listen to what it is. The church, the literal translation is the assembly of the called. The assembly of the parakaleos. Whoa. Ecclesia that has that root for kaleo, calling. So really what it is, those who are called out, assemble together. That's what defines us. And by us being together, we stir one another up. Christians, we don't hide from each other. And Christians, when people are hiding, we need to gently, out of love, say, hey, I didn't forget about you. Maybe it's in your trial. Maybe there's someone that just hasn't started showing up. Or you invited them and they didn't want to show up. What's wrong with me? Do they not like my group? Do they want to go to someone else? Is it it me? No. Forget about you. This passage is not about you. It's about the light that you can bring to others. So here, last week we had La come And we talked about what their ministry is. And one of their primary ministries is, is to just show up in the neighborhood. To just be present and there's a quote from Henry Nowen that's my favorite. I I used to carry it around in my wallet but wallets are so old school so I don't have one of those anymore but now I have it on my phone. I sent myself an email with it and so I have it there ready to go. Um, Sometimes it gets deleted. I'm not sure how so I got to bring it back but this is the quote. It's a little bit long but I want you to be patient with it because of the beauty that's in it. Henry Nowen Uh, was a Catholic priest, and he was an academic. Uh, He taught at Harvard. He taught at Notre Dame. But he left all that, and uh, he ended up working with the disabled in a small community, uh, not a large gathering. He was used to large gatherings, a lot of attention. Um, But in between that, something happened inside of him. He went to South America, and in his book, Gracias, he talked about what he learned there. And this is one of the primary things he learned as he was in the hot, uh, humid streets in South America. He said, more and more, the desire grows in me simply to walk, to walk around, greet people, enter their homes, sit on their doorsteps, play ball, throw water. Remember, it's South America, top. hot, they throw water. And be known as someone who wants to live with them. It is a privilege to have the time to practice this simple ministry of presence. Still, it is not as simple as it seems. My own desire to be useful, to do something significant, or to be part of some impressive project is so strong that soon my time is taken up by meetings, conferences, study groups, and workshops that prevent me from walking the streets. It's difficult not to have plans, not to organize people around an urgent cause, and not to feel that you are working directly for social progress. But I wonder more and more if the first thing shouldn't be to know people by name, to eat and drink with them, to listen to their stories and tell your own, and to let them know with words, handshakes, and hugs that you do not simply like them but truly love them. There is so much in here. There's so much beauty in what Henry and is saying, that I wanted our La Casa guys to have it in their hearts. I actually want it on their walls. So we're talking about how we can possibly get it there. Because they need to know that they're a light in that community. And by them just showing up, they're an encouragement. We had all the guys back this last weekend and we had a reunion. Uh, actually one of the guys couldn't make it back that had graduated. And so we're all together and the neighbors just started coming out. And the young guys told the guys that had graduated, had been there, you know, the five years beforehand, and said, We have open doors of you just showing up. Because of your ministry of presence. And those guys couldn't believe it. Me? I mean, I just, all I did was show up. When you show up, things happen. When a Christian shows up into a community, there's light brought in. When a Christian walks alongside another Christian, things are See them or not. I don't know if you've noticed, I've been turning some lights on. The reason for this is because I heard of a church. It's not a recent church, it's an older church, before electricity. And to go to church, um, since they didn't have any lights, they had to meet in this particular dark room. And so everyone that came to church had to bring their own lantern. And so they'd have a little lit oil lantern or however kind of, you know, candle, and they would show up at church with their own candle. Otherwise, it was just dark. So the pastor had one, whoever else was in leadership, people, and uh, most likely it was a smaller gathering. But if someone didn't show, then there was less light in the room, and it was noticeable. I mean... Do you know that if you're not here, if you're not in your small group, if you're not in the triad, or it's your close friend, other believers that you've walked with, if you're not with them, they're going to know that your light is missing. But when your light is there, it encourages, that word courage, it means to put courage into them. Don't we all need that? So let me ask you this question. Do you need to begin to stop hiding? Do you need to come out of hiding? Not just for your sake, because you need it, but also for the sake of bringing light to others. Because it matters. Literally, when you are not present, Yet we get in these habits. Do you have a habit? Will you start a new habit of being a part with other Christians, even if some of them drive you nuts? I mean, the reality is when we think about becoming involved in somebody else's life, it's scary. I get it. You can't be involved in everybody else's life. You may get three or four requests, or, or you may look at all of these and you're like, it's just too much. I can't. Just with one or two other people that you're pouring into. But you need to know also that what a church is, is the assembly of the called out ones who are coming to encourage each other. So even on Sunday mornings, it matters. But in this culture, it doesn't want you to have the habit of meeting with other Christians. It's being cut out left and right, just like at the time of Hebrews. So we have to create that habit. That's why we started this triad thing, just one more way that may fit for you to participate, to be with other believers. And I was amazed at some of the courage of some of you who have just been here and you don't know anybody and you said, I want to get connected. I, I want to be there. I want to show up. Don't forget about me. So I'm going to show up. And I've seen other people invite others in and I, they've come to me and said, I can't believe they invited me. Thinking, you don't realize who you are? You're a big deal. But we don't think that way. We need others to tell us the truth of who we are. Because when we go into hiding, everything gets distorted. And we can't see clearly. Scheduling can be tricky sometimes. Let's be honest. It just is. Well, I had some people tell me, well, you know what? If we're going to do this triad thing, or these small groups, or these home groups, they're tricky because my schedule, I'm traveling, get creative. You don't want what's sucking you away from life to close the door. You just got to get creative. Sometimes maybe you meet early Sunday mornings. Someone was talking to me about this, and, and we were going back and forth, and we were trying to troubleshoot it. And this person's here like every Sunday. Go. Why don't you just get a couple people meet Sunday morning before or after? Or why don't you meet every other week? Who's, where does it say you have to meet every week? It's this consistency. Or, as the passage says in the beginning, let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. And maybe that's how we have to think about it. Maybe it's not like, well, I can't make it happen. But maybe the way we need to think of it is, okay, maybe you think you don't need it, which is wrong. But maybe you think that. But what if you think this way? How can you give continuous care to watch over one another? They need you to figure out a way. That's what encouragement means, right? To call into, to invite, to call to stand next to you. This is what the body of Christ looks like. So because Melissa is brilliant, she did some research. Because you know the end of uh, when you play hide and seek, you know how it works, right? You say, "Ali, Ali, and oxen free, and everybody comes out. Ali, Ali, oxen free. That's what I thought it was. Is that what you thought it was? I was like, "Wow, that's kind of weird." Oxen? What do ox have to do with this? It's German. Has nothing. It's, it's completely wrong. <laughs> this is what you say, and when you say this, everybody knows the game's over. Time to come out. We we'll all walk out. It's actually "Ale Ale free. That's German. So I looked it up, but I also had to make sure I found our German experts. Bet you didn't know this, but Hoku is a German expert. She used to enter contests. Jeremy completely rolled her. So I texted her. I said, so what does this mean? She goes, oh my gosh, Jeremy's such a dork. Yet she nailed it. So I gave her this and said, what does this mean? And she texts back and spot on. Everyone, everyone also is free. I didn't think it would get me this morning because I've gone through it so many times. But when Melissa shared this with me, I had this picture. Can you see this picture? I want you to close your eyes and see this. I had this picture of all of the people of God coming out of hiding. And as we come out, we look next to us. We're like, well, you were hiding too? And you were? And you were? And we all come out, and there's this understanding, oh, you, you got issues too? And yet, when we connect with him, we're like, what were you doing hiding? You're beautiful. You're amazing. What reason would you possibly have for hiding? When those reasons come out, what? That's ridiculous. You need to be out. You're a light. I need you. We need you. Can you see it? I'm not going to try to say it in German again. But I can say it in English. We need to all come out and say, everyone, everyone is free. So the worship team is going to come up. We're just going to leave the lights like this. I think you guys can handle it. If not, you can walk outside. That's what one of my kids would have done when they were younger. Can you, um, if you're able, can you stand with me and pray? And if you want to stay seated, you're welcome to do that, of course. Father, Lord, show us how we can stir one another up towards love and good deeds. Lord, if we're in the habit of not meeting together, then open our eyes to that. If we're in hiding, open our eyes to that. Let us not make others feel abandoned or left out or cut off. May they instead be encouraged. May we bring light. May we bring your truth. the day approaching. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Hi. Kim asked me to close, and I will try not to cry this time because it's been a consistent problem <laughs> every time. <laughs> um, I, when Boog was talking today, I kept thinking about about eight years ago um, when I was—it was in my first year of grad school, and I felt— really overwhelmed and busy. Um, I didn't have children, so I really don't know what I was complaining about. <laughs> <laughs> I think I thought I was busier than I actually was. Um, <laughs> but I remember having dinner with my husband, Topher, and just saying, I, you know what, something's got to give. I can't, I can't do all the work I have to do and be with people and X, Y, and Z. And I was like, you know what, I just, this could be a season where I just don't have a lot of friends, and I just kind of focus on my work. And um, I don't really remember what he said. I'm sure he rolled his eyes. Um, <laughs> but uh, now, even just saying it out loud kind of horrifies me. But I just I think about that season of painting and trying to come up with things to paint, and just when I was when I drew away from people, just my my work died and my paintings died, and I died. Um, and I just and I, I realized through that season of work when I finally started realizing that you ha- we have time for that. Um, it's, we don't just need to make time for it. Like, it's, it's imperative, um, not only for ourselves, but for those around us. And for me, once I really started exploring um, my relationships and my friendships and making really sacred that those times with other people, that was like my painting came back, my joy came back, um, and my relationship with the Lord grew as well. Um, And I look back and I think, oh, so stupid. <laughs> why, why would that have ever, like, been part of a plan for for my life um, or for th- those around me? Um, so I'm so grateful um, to the book. That was wonderful. And um, just I know we're going to meet out, out there for uh, if you're interested in getting involved in a triad. Um, Kim said there's going to be some snacks and stuff. So um, go make time. Um, love your friends. Uh, be together, and don't forget to pay up your kids. <laughs> I'm going to say a quick prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this community and all the light out there, um, and uh, thank you for um, teaching us who you are through each other and one another. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen.